not good. It's backlit by the side, like a side lighting on the window. Uh, the computer's <laughs> seven years old. Like the technology's not great. It's it's a perfect storm of terrible. You guys are such a pretty. <laughs> you look so good. Um, <laughs> well, you're stuck back in this little tiny room in my office, but we're sitting in the dining room now. Nice. White. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anita, have you listened to Bastard Pastors before? No, I, I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, not a lot of people have. It's it's a hidden gem. So. It's a, our daughter Rachel, she looked into it or she had heard of it. So um, I'm amazed at the amount of people that find it before they come to our church. Because um, we don't ever connect it to the church. Like we don't use the church's website to promote it. We don't we don't send out something we do on the side. Um, it's it's a it's irreverent enough or inappropriate enough that it probably doesn't need to be connected to the church officially in a lot of ways. So, <laughs> although this week we've done all people who go to the church, so it's been kind of fun. <laughs> this is like our season two. We uh, we first started talking about just the story of legend, and a lot of people use that before they would yeah before they come to the church they'd listen, and hmm. then we did a series where we were doing a bunch of different pastors around the city. Um, with my goal was, oh, can we get them to just talk normal, not talk in a church-like setting? But most people were like, uh, I don't know what I can say here. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of okay. And then we took a long break, and now we're in season two. Yeah. And so, well, I'm not pastoring, so I can say anything. That's right, you can say anything. Like, podcasting is such a... Uh, convoluted or like such a uh, like congregated world. There's so many people podcasting right now that I think it's difficult to stand out. Um, Although I'm surprised that we started this back up two weeks ago and we had like three people from the church text. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are doing that again. I'm listening. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Realize that. All right. Um, we should have been doing it earlier. Yeah. It's the same with like the zoom calls. Like I think, what I re I was so anti the Zoom church stuff in the beginning, uh, <laughs> and we've had such a good turnout and good report from it. Um, it, it made me eat my words, be like, well, I guess people, because I was like, well, you could go download the best sermons and the best worship, and you don't need us, but I guess people really do want something they know, and people they know, like, those connections are important, so. Yeah, uh, we, we go on Facebook every Sunday and watch. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks. that. Um, you know, what's really funny is, that, well, hold on. First, we are here with Dave and Anita Workman on season two of Bachelor Pastors. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, but, you know, it's funny when you, uh, so when you first, the first time you ever walked into church on Sunday, um, I did not, I, I, I knew kind of who you were, but I, I'm not from Cincinnati, so I didn't know. And Jason and like all these other people from our church, are like that's 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 Dave Workman over there. And I was like, <laughs> we're in trouble. And I was like, <laughs> uh, someone told me like right because I think I was was I preaching that day that first time in the old building. You were just like, oh man, he came on the wrong week. Like he should come on a Jason week, not a not a Justin week. I'm, well, that's exactly what you told us. <laughs> no, like, if you're oh, here the wrong week, he said. You should come when Jason's here. He's the smart one. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is my line. My wife gets mad when I say that. She's like, you're, you're selling yourself short. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the right Absolutely. Thing. We loved it. I still remember that message. And I remember you drawing, the, uh, uh, drawing Israel and saying, uh, this is the only thing I learned in Bible school. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely true. That map, man, I remember it. It was great. Uh, but I am actually, another fun thing that I like to say uh, especially with, I was with Brad Wise um, uh, about a year ago. We were doing something together. It was, I guess it wasn't that long ago, but whatever it was, he um, he had said something and somehow your name came up and I go, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm his pastor. He goes to my church. Like I just, <laughs> it's not really true, but I did like say, like, well, you know, he goes to our church. So I, uh, it was it was fun to say. Have you guys uh have you guys been pretty quarantined since this started? Relatively, yeah. yeah. Seeing the grand the grandkids come over and then their parents see other people. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Your new like new grandparents since this started, right? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So our youngest daughter is planning a church in Covington, Kentucky. And they had a baby at the same time. When they first came, when they first talked about planning, yeah, when they first talked about planning a church, we said, well, welcome to 10 years of poverty, but it will be great. And then they said, well, we want to plant an urban church. I said, 20 years. 20 years, right. <laughs> and then they decided to move to Covington, Kentucky and, and have 30 a years during a pandemic. <laughs> and, and during a pandemic, during race right. riots, out Man. of baby. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's a, we were pretty quarantined in the beginning. My wife, it was like, well, we didn't go anywhere. I think uh, I had to go start the cars regularly because we just were never driving. Yeah. And then we got lax with it as the rest of the world did. And then about a week ago, she went into anxiety mode again where she was like, no, 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 we've been too lax. We need to go back. We need to go back. But as you can see, Jason and I are social distancing. Social distancing. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, we, we play it pretty safe, but sure. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, so uh, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm excited to talk, talk church stuff. Um, so I wanted to start with uh, something. I think so. I Anita, it's about you. I don't think I've ever heard these words out of your mouth as much as David said them. And so we can always edit anything that you don't want said. But what I've heard is that um, you have always wanted or looked for a no shit church is the quote I heard where a church where there's just not a lot of the junk that comes with that. If you've ever worked in a church, we know all the stuff that's involved there and you working at a very highly established church day for a long time. Um, there was probably a lot of shit there. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you were looking for not that, not a slam on that church. Just uh, the larger you get, the more that, uh, that accrues, I suppose. Um, so what do you mean by that, Anita, if that statement is true? <laughs> uh, it has to be true. I mean, I'll tell you the real story. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I'm just tired of people not, I mean, after, we stepped back from the church then we went and visited a bunch of churches because we never could. So we went to a few um, around in our area and other places and it just seemed like they were all the same. They were all vanilla. They were all putting on a show. Like they were all giving messages that my husband could figure out were like maybe Andy Stanley's or Ed Young's or yeah. some <laughs> other, you know, copying other people that they weren't being, that they weren't hearing from God even. But, you know, the worship, the people up front worshiping were just singing a song at us and not really leading us in worship. Mm. And we were used to, I mean, we grew up when we started at the vineyard. Really, it changed our lives to sing to God and all of us singing to God, not all singing about God or mm. at each other. But um, so I just after even um you know our church wasn't perfect and we had oh stuff. gosh we had there's stuff the understatement up. of the year <laughs> but, but we, we could own our crap <laughs> we, right. could, uh, we could admit to it and not try and be something that we weren't and i just do not i just the cheese factor and the inauthenticity it just turns me off and it doesn't help me in my spiritual walk. Uh, so, why do you think it, a lot of places became that or are that for one thing? I, I think they're just trying to, they're, they see something else they kind of like, or they're trying to copy it because mm. I know some churches just, they looked at Willow Creek for a while and tried to be Willow Creek and not themselves. Yeah. And um, that, that doesn't, you know, I, I know, I personally know some churches where they don't, whether people are told what to do, like in, for instance, worship, like this is how you're going to sing the song and this is when you're going to raise your hands and this is mm -hmm. when you're going to, uh, and here's the song list you're going to do and not giving them any creative freedom or um, collaboration with the whole leadership team. It's just more of a top-down, let me tell you what to do, because I saw Ed Young do it this way, or I saw Willow Creek do it this way, or I saw Crossroads do it this way. So this is how we're going to try and, this is how you get people in the door. 
I was like, no, that's, that's not really. It's the Holy Spirit bringing people in because you're real and you're, you're hearing from God and you're giving the message that you feel like those people want to or need to hear because God, you sought God and he told you. Huh. So I didn't now, even realize it's still Andy Stanley stuff. I, just, yeah, I would have done that. We, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I writing my own stuff? This is ridiculous. <laughs> So, so now I'll tell you the real story. Oh, okay. <laughs> are, you go, are you going to mansplain this for us? <laughs> no, she's absolutely right. That was absolutely true. But how it came about was, because we, we had been at our church for nearly 30 years. Mm. Part of that. So it was, it was our community. It was our life. It was everything. So when we stepped out, it was, it was just not comfortable. We could tell it was not good for us to be there. It was mm. not comfortable, the new guy and blah, blah, blah. So after a while, Anita said, I think you should plant a new church. And I said, I'm not going to plant a church. I, I'm old. I don't have the same energy. I don't have, there's just no way I'm not going to do it. I said, why don't you plant a church? <laughs> and Anita, if you know her, she's not a platform person. She doesn't like getting up in front of people. She, she said, well, maybe I will. And I was shocked. <laughs> I said, well, I'll come to it. What are you going to call it? She said, it's going to be the no shit church. I said, I'm in. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would go to that. So what, what we did notice was exactly what she said. Just everything felt the same. Everybody had a band. Everybody's hazing the room. Everybody's got free coffee. And everybody has a the pastor has a joke at the beginning. And it's just, we we were looking for authenticity. And so... I just remember, you know, one too long ago, one day we were saying, all right, where do we, this before COVID, where do we want to go to church today? She goes, I, I just, I want to go to legend. I just want to be around normal people. And I said, normal? <laughs> she said, authentic. Oh, okay. nice. All right, we can buy that. We should put that quote on our website. <laughs> Anita Workman just says, I want to go to legend. <laughs> Actually, our our kind of joke is with our website, we always say uh, we want to put legend. You might as well just find out now. Like this is, <laughs> this is who we are. You're, you may not like it. I don't know. We uh, we podcasted earlier this morning with Stephanie, who's one of our worship leaders. And uh, I think sure. she feels a lot of pressure, like like living in Monty's shadow, right? Because Monty's very good at what he does. But she she always apologizes and won't sort of accept her role of having people look up to her. Uh, because she's she doesn't feel like she's polished enough or that she knows the scriptures well enough or all these kind of things. And one of the things we talked about is that how awful it would be if she was trying to fake her way into being somebody else. Like if, if she was trying to be the worship leader at Hillsong or any of the places that they're using as an influence, it just would be really hollow because obviously Stephanie's not any of those things, right? And as a personality type and for better or for worse, we get we get her and we put her on stage because we want her up there not Lauren Daigle or whoever else the other person is. and Look at you. You know all the names. Yeah, I do. I don't know them. Don't, um, you, think, don't you think people really just deep down, they just want authenticity. They just yeah. want people to be real. Yeah. And, um, and the, last, the last church I worked at, we were do, I was doing a, like my, my sister was getting married and the pastor there was doing the wedding. And at the rehearsal dinner, we sat down and talked and you could like, he was a boss of mine because I was the youth pastor and you could just tell that he was tired. And I finally was like, Hey man, what's, what's going on? And he just unloaded all these sort of personal drama. I was like, man, nobody at this church would ever know that you're struggling with all these things and it's killing you. And he said, well, it wouldn't be okay for me to share those things with the whole congregation. I was like, man, I just leave everything that's wrong with me out for everybody to see all the time. Like there's no expectation, but like, and it really it ended up driving him out of ministry um, because he just couldn't keep up that, the sort of the fakeness of everything being okay all the time when it clearly wasn't. And it was a lesson for me real early on. They're like, you're just going to get me. And if, if that's mm -hmm. not the thing, this might not be the best place for you because I can't, I can barely hold being me together. I can't do anything else. And uh, yeah, we joke, what could we do that would get us kicked out of the community? And it would be real. It's a, it's a small and very horrible list of what we'd have to do. Cause, uh, cause I, I say all the time, like, this is our friend group, not just our, the people that we pastor, but this is, this is everybody, right? Like uh, all my 
children's friends, all my wife's friends. Like, we can't go anywhere. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to hear that one day and realize they can just cut our salaries. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're tonight, tonight we're going to celebrate the birthday of a good friend of ours who the vineyard actually started in his uh, condo, oh. Jim Cochran. And we used to, Steve and I, Steve Shogun was the original planter of the church. We talk about how Jim is the one that's kept us all out of jail. Mm. Because he was he was the guy that would say, I, I don't think you should do that. And we <laughs> would just be pushing uh, the envelope as much as we could because that felt that just felt real to us. And I think people appreciated the transparency. Some of that was born out of, if I can ramble for a minute. A minute. A minute, okay. <laughs> Some of that was born out of a, a value in the vineyard movement was uh, everybody gets to play. Mm. Meaning that if we, really if we really ascribe to the priesthood of all believers, that meant that everyone should do, be doing ministry. And that the job of the pastors is to equip people to do ministry. Mm. So one of the ways to do that, especially back in the day, was you had to blur that line between clergy and laity. Yeah. And, and, the, and the way that we figured we would do it is just by making fun of ourselves as pastors and making mm. fun of each one of the pastors and trying to uh, yank out that pedestal that people want to put pastors on. Mm. So that the average person sitting there listening to coming to a service would say, heck, I could do that. <laughs> I could do any of this stuff. The yeah. dear <laughs> They're not that smart. <laughs> I keep a list of things that people say to me and Justin that are just so radically inappropriate that no other pastor in this, no other pastor in America is having these things said to them on a regular basis. We just did a podcast with that. I was like, what? I was embarrassed for some of the things. I was like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> like we've, we've destroyed any notion of um, a pedestal here. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we like about legend. I think it's so appreciated about you guys. You just, you're who you are on the stage is you are in your house. And that's, yeah. Um, two of the things you said, like, are actually have come into fruition, I think, for me through COVID. Like, so, um, like the idea of equipping everyone to do stuff, like we've had to redefine for a lot, for ourselves and everyone. Okay, church isn't getting together every week. It's not it. We always said that, but can we really be that? And I'm actually thriving in it. I like it. Like, I feel like every conversation I have with a person who goes to our church is deeper and more significant than it was before. Um, but also like, okay, you have to start doing stuff now. Like if you're not reaching out to other people, then they're not getting reached out to. And I can't, and Jason, I can't do it alone. So uh, that, that equipping and like just the, the being real part, like, I, again, like I said, I didn't think anyone would log into our zoom call. Like, why would you like, <laughs> that seems weird. I, I don't understand because there's so much and it was, and that's when I realized like, oh, cause we've had, um, there was like three newer couples right before COVID and all three of them have said, oh, we feel more connected on the Zoom calls than we did when we were really going because we're seeing people's names, we're seeing people's personalities, we're, we're hanging out uh, in these, um, uh, you can't see it on the Facebook, but there's like these breakout rooms. Oh, we're forced to talk to someone. Um, and they're like, oh, we feel connected. And that stunned me. I was like, what? You feel connected? This is, this is the internet. We hate this, right? But I, I guess we don't. Um, no, but those two things I think has been, will be the thing I think that changes the most for us. Like, oh, okay, you start doing stuff now. Like we, I was actually, I got really frustrated with something this morning. I didn't know I was frustrated until I talked to Jason, but someone who's just been like, uh oh you know i i, I don't like this i i don't i don't want to do the zoom things it's like the one person and i was like oh well you're not doing anything for anyone else either like if you only are looking at church as what i'm getting out of it uh then yeah zoom church is going to be horrible for you because it's not about that um it's about connecting to others i think anyways it's been a it's been a very big learning for me i because i was so against it i like thought it was silly in the beginning like this isn't real um but it feels like god's sort of daring us in our deconstruction yeah like we've talked a lot about deconstruction and so like to take seriously what it means to have a no shit church what can you take away from this 
what can you take away from the church we all grew up in? It's, it's still be a functional church that, that draws people towards Jesus and that loves the world around us, right? Like if those are the two things we're sort of tasked with, um, what can all, and we've always said everything's on the chopping block. I don't know that we've ever met everything was on the chopping block mm. and we're finding out real quick how much of that we mean. Um, by, I plan out six months. I, I take a personal retreat every January and a personal retreat every July. And I list out my schedule from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day for the next six months. Like, I'm, just, I'm that rigid. And one of our elders pulled me aside and said, you get two weeks now. And then you get to have two weeks of plans and that's all you get to have maybe for the next 18 months. And then I had a panic attack and went and drank too much. <laughs> uh, what are you guys seeing with church in COVID? Is it good, bad? Is there cool things happening? Is there scary things happening? Um, has it been nice for you or? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been uh, interesting to tune in to different places, but, but also we just come back to the same couple places, I yeah. think. I just wonder how people who aren't really committed to Jesus mm. are doing. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know until yeah. kind of it all comes back. And uh. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's like for churches that rely heavily on kind of the show, mm. the rug's been pulled out from under them. And you see all the, um, you see what's not there. Uh, you see that the, either there's not real community, there are not real relationships, there are not small circles there, you know, it, it's all that stuff. It kind of exposes, COVID has exposed a lot that's missing in the American church for sure, I think. Um, mm. So what it'll look like in the future, who knows? But I think people are certainly going to get smarter on um other ways to connect other mm. stars. I mean, it's so interesting to me to watch the talk shows, the late night talk shows, Fallon and Kimmel and, and Colbert and so forth, and how those guys all had to adjust and how their personalities came out very differently yeah. as they tried to do their shows from home. And uh, I think there's part of that that people like. It uh, feels a little bit more real. There's um, I, I, it's just interesting to me. And I think, I, I think people, I think pastors are going to have to rethink what right. they do even on the weekend. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess that's that real, I get to, it was a, it's kind of a overused word sometimes with church circles, but it really does matter. Like this is who we are, right? This is my house, what you're seeing, the background, like, Kids, this is it. Kids running around. Kids running around. I, right. dude, I love watching. I love watching Monty get worked over by his like two year old every Sunday morning. Come <laughs> <laughs> hell or high water, he's gonna pick her up, and he doesn't get much of a choice in the matter. Uh, I met with someone last night, and their question for me was, "How do you uh, praise God in all this?" And I was like, "Oh, what do you mean?" He's like, "Well, I'm with my children all the time now." He's like, "Before." I just kind of thought the church would tell my children about God and the time to praise him is going to be on Sundays. He's like, but now how do you do that? Like, obviously we can go walk in nature, but how do I turn the nature walk into, Oh, this is about God too. Like he, and so we've been really into thinking um, about mi children's ministry, youth ministry, how, you know, it should have always been this way, but uh, parents really have, the job now for and probably will for a while which i think is cool but also a lot of people feel so ill-equipped to do that um i i think it's interesting to see how this will shape the church world i don't think it'll damage it i think it'll shape it in something uh and even for us i, I was thinking because we've had so many people say oh we're connecting more my immediate thought was we must not have been doing something right on Sunday mornings to connect people. Uh, we weren't asking the right questions or providing the right atmosphere for them to engage. So that made me think a lot about that. Like, oh, we, did we get too comfortable? And well, we show up on Sundays and do our thing and uh, whatever happens outside of that is whatever happens. But, but there's, a, there's a real downside too, obviously, to all yeah. of this too, because uh, I miss not being able to go to a theater and have the communal experience where we're all laughing at the same thing or we're being scared by the same thing or we're, yeah, yeah, it's, it's that piece. So the part that's really missing, I think, during COVID for churches 
is the corporate worship piece mm -hmm. where we sing our prayers to Jesus corporately. And there's something so powerful about that yeah. that it's just not the same when you're sitting and mm. looking at a screen with your wife or maybe with a couple of kids or so. You don't have that communal experience of singing, which has been such a vital part of the church from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you guys on Zoom calls for churches, do you sing out loud at your house no. by yourself? No. Uh, I didn't think, I, I kind of don't, but you know, my chill, my two of my youngest children, they do. And I'm always like looking at them like, man, you guys are just really belting this out. And they're not singers in real life. They don't ever go around singing, but they, somehow they still really like it. Me and my wife and my oldest son, we don't. We just kind of reflect a little bit. I kind of you know, may fight here and there, but. Uh, I, I always think it's interesting that they do. They're like, yeah, I'm singing. Are you okay? Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard for us because we have a, a, a particular philosophy regarding worship where it's, it's a chunk of time that actually it takes a while for us to enter into because you just don't walk into a building it, where you do this where you walk in and you just start singing with a bunch right, of people right right and it takes a while to catch and then maybe by second or third song you're beginning to get oh okay and you're you're beginning to actually draw close to god and feel something going on there yeah and most churches that are doing online church they're just doing little chunks yeah so here's yeah. maybe a song or two songs at the most and uh it's just hard. It's hard to get any sense of flow with that. And yeah, it's, uh, that, that's the downside of all of this, I think. It's a good reminder, like at the Presbyterian church I used to work at, we had like the service technically started at 955, where they would have a five minutes of like quiet prelude, where like ideally you would be in the service, in the sanctuary reflecting before you started yeah. as a chance to start to let go of the things that were in the middle of your life during the week. And then they had a very intentional like we're going to have a time of confession and a time of this that was all built into the music and the flow of things that was, it was designed. And uh, yeah. I think it's a lot harder to do individually. I think it's a lot harder to do across space like this. Yeah. yeah. I miss communion. I miss doing communion together. Which yeah, I, think, so. I think the thing the Protestant church generally has not done great. And then this has made it worse. I think. Yeah. When's your prediction of when you think people will be back singing corporately again together? I'd say 2026. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really long time. <laughs> nah, I'm just being conservative, I think. <laughs> it does feel like this, like every time, every time I prepare like for three months, you get to the end of the three months real quick and there's not much has changed in that time. Like yeah. you still don't know. There's, it's, we met with our leadership team this week. It's very difficult to make decisions. Yeah, it's such a squirrely time. And I have, you know, I have my view of politics and the whole thing. I, I, I wish the country would have just shut down completely for two months yep. and just done it. Yeah. <laughs> and during that time, you know, really got the testing and contact tracing thing figured out, contact tracking figured out and, and then could roll it out and everything open up and you begin to do this. But mm. yeah, it's that's a why I'm not president. It's a strange, it's a strange country to do anything like that. And like, it's, oh, I like, man, I, I like your idea of like revealing I, the, one of the Bible guys I listen to when I'm running, they just did a whole, like, like eight weeks podcast series on apocalypse. And it was mm -hmm. like the, all around the concept of revealing. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, it's not like he said, cause they started it the day COVID started. They ended it the day that George Floyd was murdered. Wow. So, and then they had to do two more episodes after that because they said these these public relate these these events happening in our streets are they should be revealing to us about what's happening that maybe you never saw from where you lived or from your experience Absolutely. the reality that other folks are living out and we as the church have to pay attention to that um, in some way whatever our response is it has to take into account their lived experience over ours and so I've been thinking a lot about this idea of what's being revealed um, and man we're like. There's lots of opportunities there, right? There's lots of opportunities to to love people and serve people and to be about other people, not be about ourselves. But even that, like, it feels everything's gotten very tribal. And yeah. uh, everybody wants to fight everybody about everything right now. And as somebody who's generally born for conflict, like I'm very good at conflict, <laughs> even I'm done. I'm done with all I I don't I don't feel like anybody's <laughs> safe to fight with right now. Like it feels 
the con the tribal stuff feels very personal and i'm like oh i don't know what friends i'm going to lose if i disagree with people on stuff and yeah, yeah it's very it's a very odd time <laughs> um i feel like um random little acts of kindness go a lot further right now especially with my neighbors or doing something for someone like gets a lot more probably credit or feeling behind it than what would have happened you know five months ago like people are like oh you did this for me that's really nice or uh or even like things we've done with the church like we would show up and do something people were like man this is awesome i'm going to tune in this sunday now like uh <laughs> but I, so i feel like that's been a cool thing that's happened um i haven't i keep waiting to hear we've had one family lose their job um, but it seemed like they're going to weather the storm, but I can't, uh, we haven't had huge, like anyone whose lives is completely devastated yet, uh, which either makes me think we don't have the right kind of people at our church sometimes, or we, uh, we're very privileged or, um, or, you know, people seem to be weathering it. Okay. I'm not sure. So I go the opposite direction of it's coming. <laughs> like I'm always ready for the next disaster that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh both of our wives would take zoom church from here on out yeah like uh Kristen doesn't mind it she likes being together with the family on sundays getting together with our coffee and on the couch like she likes that feeling and she's like well i see everyone all the time i'm all right <laughs> that's so funny that's so funny we had a uh one of the guys who was a former chair of the board at our at the vineyard back in the day, he just texted me out of the blue one day and said, I love couch church. I'm sitting here with a Bloody Mary watching the whole thing and just loving it. Yeah. And, oh, wow. This would have been a guy who said, would have said, yeah. you need to be there every weekend. And, oh, here's my crazy phone. Kim, uh, Kim, Kim likes it because it's forced us out of sort of the, we're not as busy as we used to be. Like we don't have something scheduled every night of the week. We're not driving all over the city every night of the week. We're not split in two different directions with the kids. The kids aren't loaded up with homework. And um, it's been, we had our first last weekend, we were going to go kayaking with some friends and our kids lacrosse coach had called and said, Hey, we're going to do some summer workouts. And we felt pressure to go to the summer workout, but we don't care about lacrosse. <laughs> Um, but we care about kayaking with our friends. And so we said, no, we're going to take this time with our family and friends and stuff that we care about, as opposed to this other stuff that really isn't a huge deal for us. And um, it was a place where some of our like values and boundary making was reshifted lately. Whereas last year at this time, we would have said, oh yeah, we'll cancel the kayaking trip, go to, we'll go do the, the, the cross thing and uh, those kind of things. So it's been interesting watching boundaries from up and to watch like, the push towards normal, pushing back on the boundaries again. So yeah. like we we're back to some in-person music lessons, which means I've got to drive to Mason a couple times a week, um, which adds, you know, an extra four hours to my week. And, yeah. um, but we care about music but, enough that that's worth it. Nina, you're more, you're, you're way more of an extrovert than me. So how has, <laughs> how has not been able to go to a place for church work for you? Um, well, I'm really borderline introvert, extrovert. I think I'm a quiet extrovert. I like to be around people. I don't want to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. So like I like working now, all the stores are shut down and I have no job at all because they're all, it's just going to be online, the store, which is fine, except for I wanted interaction with adults and not just grandchildren that right. I have to police all yes. day long. <laughs> But I find too, when I do get together with an old friend or I just, I walk a couple of times a week, usually with one friend, it is a breath of fresh air to be with a different person. And mm -hmm. I think other people too, a girl, a, a girl came up from Florida the other day, then stopped by on her way to Cleveland or somewhere. And it was like, oh, a person, another person. <laughs> Did you ask her why she was going to Cleveland? <laughs> do the two of you interact a lot during the day like through this quarantine are you or do you find separate places and yeah because he does, he can't go to mcdonald's and work anymore he's just mm -hmm. in the in the other extra bedroom <laughs> so i i try and stay out of his hair a little bit more and the other day you were going you're going to see grandma or something, his mom, 
a couple hours away and he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, anything I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Has it been a new expression of marriage for you guys? Like, oh, this is different. We're with each other all the time. Or is it like, no, we got this. We're good. Well, because of, because of stepping down from the church, you know, seven, that, almost seven years that ago. That was an adjustment for me because I wasn't used to having anybody yes. around the yeah. house all day long. <laughs> what yeah, are you Kim, doing here? Yeah. Kim has gone into the office every day since quarantine started, and they're going to have to take her out at gunpoint because we're getting a divorce if she has to work from home with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, she, like, her work just requires so much thought from her, that, and I'm – like an extra needy child around the house and I just would drive her crazy. Like we would have to rent a space. How, how have you guys, how have you seen uh, marriages in your church affected because of COVID? <laughs> I think it's, I think there's a big split. I've seen a yeah. lot of couples get closer. Um, like I think our family's better than it's ever been because of the lack of busyness. But then I've, I've seen at least two families like really hit the rocks because they really did thrive being a partner like folks who work travel all the time to find themselves at home right now and my, my take has been there's also so many layers of fear and anxiety in in the culture right now that they've all stacked together and then the only person you've got to take them out on is the person in your immediate vicinity i've apologized to my children a lot since quarantine started <laughs> that's right yeah, that's about right. I was going to say there's some people who've done, who like things were going really bad and got better through this. And some who are the opposite were like fine. But now that we have to see each other, we realize we don't like each other very much. <laughs> um, but yeah. we, uh, and yeah, for us, we had so many different phases. The beginning phase, the first month or two months for our family was like awesome. Like we were playing board games all day, hiking, like just, it was cool. Then I had like surgery and I was like dead for five weeks, like just couldn't move. And that was really bad. And I think everyone got more into the rhythm of video games and screens during that time. Um, But right now it seems pretty typical summer. Like we go to the pool a lot. And so my wife like loves the pool more than anything in the world. So she's just Mm -hmm. there all the time. So it seems uh, actually, uh, although Jason and I, I feel like I've been together more this period than we have in the last like four years um, of working together, just doing stuff, which has been good. Um, No, it's been real mix. Um, I keep waiting for a big epiphany with all that, but I don't, it's been very, I mean, I think people adapt. I think we're, we're all good at that. uh, Yeah. I think the first couple of weeks felt like a snow day. It was just a break from routine. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you have to figure out your new routine. Now it's Groundhog Day. Yes. (laughs) And exactly. so it's the, uh, I think, uh, again, I think COVID's kind of been uh, exposing yeah. cracks in the foundations of people's marriages, of our society, of uh, the world. So we've been real intentional about like, especially the couples that we're real close to, like we have a standing Zoom call every Wednesday night with our best friends. That is just, it's sort of sacred time now that doesn't get rearranged for hardly anything. Um, we have a really debaucherous happy hour that starts Friday at four on zoom and goes to like one in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I'm like, I've started checking out. I was like, I can't hang with you guys. Like I should have done too old for this. Um, so we've also built in. It's debaucherous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's been building in like trying to find to make sure that we're like supporting around the sides. Who are the folks that, like with our Wednesday night call, these are the couple, this is the couple that would ask us hard questions about whether we're being a good husband and wife to each other. Right. Yeah. And so they, and they do that pretty regularly with us. And so um, like finding those support things around the side, I'm a pretty high anxiety person. And my wife is a no anxiety person. Like nothing mm-hmm. is stressful to her. Um, she's gotten killed at work. Like she's cause like she's doing twice as much work for less money. And it's just been a really, but she's like, no, oh, everything's fine. And I'm like, no, the hell, everything's not fine. And I'm like raging around the house because I, I'm just the opposite person. <laughs> um, do you guys miss being like sort of at the vineyard and like, you know, the pastor and things like that? Do you miss that at all? I don't miss the, I don't miss the operational side at yeah. all. And, and what's, what was odd for me was after being there for nearly 30 years, it was in the last few years, I felt like I was really kind of hitting my uh, stride in terms of communication. 
uh, giving, giving a message and felt like, golly, I finally got a handle on this. And now God, you're asking me to step out. So I missed the communication side a lot. I missed being able to speak. Mm. And uh, sometimes I'm invited to other churches, uh, not a lot, but sometimes, and uh, it's just not the same. I enjoy doing it. I love doing it. I do it for free or whatever, but I, it's not the same. It's not your people. Right, it's right. Not the unique thing that you feel like God wants to say to your people. <laughs> yeah, that would be really tough because I, uh, somebody asked me one time, like, oh, hey, maybe one time I can get you to come to preach at our church. And I'm like, your, your people, they don't know my sense of humor. I'm going to have to <laughs> explain myself. They're going to think I'm weird. Like, I, I don't think I could do that. Like, I know this group. I don't know, but yeah, that would be really tough. You've been you've been filling in at the vineyard a little bit during quarantine, right? A little bit. Are uh, you doing that at three times? Are you doing that from home or are you going to the building? We did. They shot two of them at the one was actually at an odd fellows hall in Covington, yeah, Kentucky, yeah. and one was in another room. And then the last one I thought, I'm done. I'll just do this at home. Yeah. And, uh, so I just shot it at home with an iPhone. And so you're pre-recording it and sending it to them as opposed to like doing it live. Yeah, pre-recorded. Now they're actually this a weekend. They're going to open up. Okay. Uh, so, so they're going to try and see how it goes. And um, so I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been asked to speak there yet. So again, he's spoken three times, but yeah, he's not in the schedule yet. But well, I called and I called you pretty early after this started because I hate the Zoom. I hate preaching over Zoom. Hmm. Doing it live, like I feel like I've lost all the cues that I look for and all the things that I bow, like I can't tell when a joke's landing. I can't tell sure. what the mode of the room is. And so I was wondering if you had, if you had felt that same pressure too, but it's probably really different if you're doing videotape stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really odd. And, and you know, as a communicator, you, you try to read the room. Yeah. You're, you're picturing different people there who fit different demographics that you hope you're able to connect with. And you, you have a, you have a visual take on what they look like. And, uh, and it's just different. There's no energy. There's no, um, you can, there's no way to tell, uh, are you tr tracking, are, are people yeah. tracking with this? Am I moving oh, yeah. too quickly? When, when, by the time we moved into the new, before we moved into the last building we were in, we were doing seven services every weekend. Wow. So whoever spoke did all seven services. And there was something to that that was really pretty, pretty powerful. You would figure out the personality of each service. Yeah, yeah. And then when we moved to a larger uh, building, we were still doing four services. And when I would do Saturday night, I'd have a real feel for how this is going to work in the three services tomorrow. Wow. And I would typically spend another two hours editing my message when I got home on Saturday nights. What was uh, your best delivery of the four or seven? Was it last one, middle one? Uh, it, it would totally depend. It really would. It made no sense. Sometimes the first one felt like fresh. Okay, this is it. But there are things that you wish you would have done a little differently. Just nuanced things where, where part of the message just needed more energy or needed something more. Nita would always tell me she was a, she was a good critic. She would just say, talk faster. Just talk yeah. faster. <laughs> and uh, there was something to that because I tend to be a little slow and deliberate. And the, the more I sped up my delivery, the more energy came to the room and you could see people leaning in because they didn't want to miss something. Yeah. So I've asked from service to service. I've asked Kim to keep notes on what she thinks about any given sermon, but to hold them until Monday. Like yes. all I need you to tell me on Sunday is that it was great and everybody loved it. And you can talk to me about what was wrong on Monday, but mm -hmm. if, you, if you tell me Sunday, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, I'm going to completely lose my cool. Well, that was the beauty of doing a Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then it was over. Okay. Tell me what you think. And I would actually meet each Saturday night with a guy right after the service who was a very different personality than me. And would, uh, I mean, we were, we were just so unlike each other that it was really helpful. And he, he tended to think more like an engineer, more analytical, like, just tell me what to do. And right. my typical style was, well, people will intuit this. I'm not going to be parental. I'm not going to say, but he was right. There were times where I needed to be more direct and say, hey, let's, this week, let's try this. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. That makes sense. <laughs> um, here's a question for you guys. So the first few times you came, you came because we were participating in the elemental churches thing with you uh but then after a while i was like oh 
they come back every now and then. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and then to the point where I was like, well, they've come back enough to where I should like, I'm going to go have coffee and say hi. Like, I don't know. And so my question is, and you can answer anything you want, really. Um, why come back every now and then? Or why even check out our Zoom calls on Sunday? Like, what, what about it, good or bad or whatever, did you say, oh, yeah, that's worth going back to? Uh, well, for me, um, a lot of times, well, I mean, I enjoy Monty. Um, and I feel like the worship people are worshiping. So that's a plus. And then um, um, I feel like messages, I get, they're not the same as you hear everywhere else. You get a little history. Jason does a lot of um, biblical connection with history in the Bible, you know, biblical history and stuff. I enjoy that, learning a little something new that I hadn't dug in and found out myself. And the humor is always a plus. I you know, I want to smile. I mean, my husband would always, Dave would, oh, you would always add uh, funny interjections and make fun of yourself or whoever. And I just love to laugh. I love humor. It really, uh, it just, it, it helps me enjoy it and receive it better. So, um, then the, it, and you guys are authentic and you're just real, you're you, and um, I appreciate that. So I can relate that I have, I have my stuff, you have your stuff. Yay, we're all in this together <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, and actually we came before we were doing any kind of oh, work. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that first week was not, had nothing to do with elemental churches. I was no, uh, no. Oh, I, yes, you were gone, that's right. I do yeah. remember, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my, my uh, partner in crime in the stuff that we do with elemental churches is Tom Thatcher, who both of you guys knew. Yeah. And he, he's the one who came to me one day and said, hey, I want you to meet these two guys. I think they're the no shit church you're looking for. <laughs> I said, well, okay, I, I want to see I want to see these guys. And um, so anyway, yeah, we came on that Sunday. Let's go find them. Let's go find them. And uh, you were really hard to find. <laughs> sign was stolen <laughs> no oh, that's right. i wasn't no i wasn't there that sunday morning so like those kind of details were things that i normally handle and if i don't then kim does and so oh, I, can, I, I can tell you the details yeah oh i know <laughs> so we knew what that building was because he met kenny loggins in the parking lot years and years ago <laughs> <laughs> kenny loggins building that yeah, was that's... actually the best thing that happened from the elemental church thing is that we moved our building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotta do that. That's one easy thing we can do here. Let's do it. So the reason why we came back, I think, is because we just love you guys and you're you're real. And so we 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 just love that. Now our our problem is I gotta be really blunt here though. Ooh, let's our hear it. problem is is that uh, we had the feeling that eventually we would be working probably or helping our son-in-law and daughter with their yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I'll tell you as a pastor, you, you guys are pastors, so you can relate to this. I it used to drive me crazy people in our church who are part of parachurch organizations. And I was kind of a parachurch critic yeah. and it was like, dang, the church ought to be doing this. They, you know, the things that parachurches do that they say, we're doing this because the church isn't doing this or can't do it or can't focus on it. It would make me mad. And the people I knew who are part of nonprofit or parachurch organizations never really got plugged in because right. they had their own thing going on, but they came mostly to get energized or recharged. Yeah. Mm. And now I'm that guy. No, <laughs> well, I, not at all. I like it. I liked getting to know you guys too. It was really cool. Well, um, we've had such like a black sheep rule in the Cincinnati churches. Like they don't know what to do with this. And like, we're not very territorial. And so, so we were looking right before COVID started, we were looking at buildings for the first time just to daydream. Oh yeah. We were like, but we were like looking, looking like touring them. And, and I stuff. found, I found this church building in Norwood. That's like, it's so beautiful and it's perfect, but it's, it, there's just no way financially, but it's, it's 47,000 square feet. So oh, it was huge. So I was like, well, what if, what would it look like if like three church plants got together who none of us can afford a building and made what is effectively like a, a Christian mall where you could come and be part of different traditions and denominations. They're like, that sounds like a and great. There was idea. enough room for each church to operate 
with offices, spaces. The only thing is you'd have to somehow share the giant worship Sanctuary. room. But there's like a gym. Mean, you could you could have done it without ever even seeing the other church. But like, <laughs> as soon as we floated those ideas to other like young church back there, like immediately, like no, yeah, no. Everyone <laughs> was like, no. Wait, well, who's the who's the one who's getting all the stuff? Yeah, like no, nobody wants we to. We are sharing. Like no, no. churches no don't work <laughs> well together. Young churches are so scared of closing. Are so scared of making ends meet that they, everything's in competition so built into American culture that I was like, well, no, no, we're all sort of for the same kingdom, right? And like that just always falls on deaf ears. Yeah. And so we don't, but like, so with you guys, I've never felt there's it's you guys and a couple other pastors in the city who've never, who've never treated us like we were sort of like outliers because I don't feel like we're all that extreme. Um, no, you're not. You so, are not extreme. But all the churches, the only, the folks that are most energetic in church planting are, significantly more conservative than we are and so whenever there's a new young church plan i'll go like i ah, know never mind it's not even it's gonna yeah. it's not worth your heartache yeah, it it's not worth my heartache like russell a few other guys they're all older churches and older pastors they like us yeah uh, it's the young guys, young guys don't, don't like don't <laughs> um we actually actually someone on our leadership team had a great idea for that space is like what if you rented out each floor to a uh, church plant to be like an incubator. Hey, you get one year of resources, one year of classrooms and space to do whatever you want to feel it out. And then, you know, then you go start your church. I thought that was, I love ideas. Um, yeah. We just needed a million dollars. Well, we needed about a million. <laughs> the building was like five, 400, but it needed like probably 400 more work. Uh, it was uh, the rock or the Nicholas, uh, what was the it? The Linders. The Linders, yeah, they went there. The church the Linders went to when they grew up in Norwood. Uh, it was the architect. It was Norwood. designed by the same guy who designed Music Hall, it's and it awesome. looks like Music Hall. Um, wow. But so the 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 Linders had gone to the very small church. It was about twenty five people left, and said, "We want to rehab this building for you. Is it? It's got a special place in our lives." And the pastor there was like, "Look, there's twenty five of us." we won't be here a year from now. You should take that money and do good with it, which I thought was a real like high character move, right? A lot of people would have just taken the money. Um, yeah. Justin called, when we heard that story, Justin called him the next day and said, hey, called that, the lenders. Is, that, is that offer still on the table? Because we'd like to take it. <laughs> they never got back to me. They never called us back. <laughs> but I did get to talk to an actual person, which I didn't think I would. I thought I'd be leaving a message. Was that, is that the building behind the library? Yeah. 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 It's yeah, beautiful inside. It needs, it's got, it needs $250,000 of structural work because, like, the roof's still leaking. And then it needs another $250,000 to oh, clean up. There's this room he took us to that's, you know, there's that big steeple thing. Well, that's an actual room that looks like something out of Harry Potter. You climb a ladder to get to it because uh, someone wanted to develop it into apartments and rent that out as an actual apartment for someone. Wow. Uh, all that was good. There's also a school that was meeting there. So half the building was already rehabbed from the school. It was real cool. Like it was a lot of cool potential. It would have been, we could have had everyone in our church in a different room. Like that's how big it was. We could totally social distance in that, in that space. But there's a, there's a, there's an aspect of you guys that reminds us a little bit of the early days when we were, when we were starting because yeah. we, we, uh, we weren't territory. There was no turf thing about us. As a matter of fact, we would do outreaches oftentimes in the names of other churches. Yeah. Uh, just to just to somehow <laughs> purify this thing that we were all doing and and uh, and i remember telling you know saying to people you don't want to come to our church <laughs> we're boring we're weird we say that we're all the time. together <laughs> you know you don't want to come and there's something i don't know there's something kind of pure about that as you're trying to figure out a lot of stuff and how do you how do you want to connect with the city with the community and so on um, here's a here's a thought or a theory, I guess. Uh, so I feel like with Vineyard and everything I've heard, and even at CC when I was there in college in the ninety in the late nineties, we you would talk here a lot about Vineyard. I think you guys, along with maybe some other movements in the nation, were part of a new expression of church outward. Like, hey, we're giving out bottles of water, we're giving things, and we don't want anything in return. Like, which was really new in the nineties. Yeah. Like, oh man, this church is coming to me and doing something nice for me and not asking for anything in return, which I think was pretty awesome and a cool insight and really did so much good. My question is, what do you think? So, and I think that's become a commonplace expression now for churches. Hey, churches do things. That's good. They're going to 
They're going to do things. Uh, what do you think a next thing is? Like, what is another expression that this world hasn't seen yet or uh, from the church? Or what's a new expression that the church can do that would be different uh, or that would be like, oh, man, I didn't know churches did that. What do you think? <laughs> You're supposed to be the visionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dang, if I knew that, Nita would start to know shit church. And I was <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, I'm, I don't know how to answer that, honestly, because it has to be something that's kind of birthed out of uh, not only a felt need, but the real personality of the people who are doing it. Mm. So part of the reason for us doing that stuff in the late 80s and early 90s was we just, we just felt like the church had such terrifically bad PR mm. that we needed to do something different. Than that and uh, what that something different is now is and it's probably it could be come out of this COVID stuff and yeah. the racial reconciliation um, yeah. racial stuff I think um, there's enough creative people out there to come up with something and it has to be in the heart of the, the leadership that it could lead that church into it because as the leadership of our church it was Steve and you and the whole team actually going out and giving the water bottles and the Cokes and stuff out themselves, not just telling all their people to do it. And then they mm. sat in, the little, in their little offices and like some churches would do. They, and people would meet us as we we're washing a car and saying, you're the pastor. Right. We're actually doing it. <laughs> you know, so it has to be leadership leading from the top. Actually, I, I don't remember if you were there or not, Anita, but the first time I met you, Dave, was the day of my wedding. We had gone, like, my bachelor party had been two nights before, and we had destroyed my house, like, just beer cans, and we were hungover. And so we put all these beer cans in, like, in uh, plastic bags, and we went and found dumpsters to throw them away illegally in because uh, the Kim knows they're going to want them there. We got back from our honeymoon, and my truck was horrible. I was like, we've got to get this truck washed. And the vineyard was doing a car wash on Tylersville Road. And you were there that day doing the And I didn't, I didn't get there at the time. And I was like, ah, guys, we're going to, this church is trying to do something nice. And we're they're going to, they're going to think we're the biggest pagans in the world showing up. Like, smell like stale beer and cigars and whiskey. And, uh, but that was my first introduction to the vineyard church was a car wash on Tylersville Road uh, about four hours before my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, before we go, uh, two things. One, um, hey, thank you guys for being on. Yeah. And uh, Dave, I don't, uh, I don't say this flippantly at all. There has not been many, any, like two, you and one other person, pastors uh, that I've met in my life who I, I really, I really like, 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 uh, <laughs> not just, oh, they're being, I like all of them. They're nice guys. Do, things, <laughs> like, do the same thing I do professionally. I'm like, oh man, I, I, I value their opinion. I really respect them, and that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but you are one, and I really appreciate, um, you know, your presence. Just your general presence is really, really <laughs> that's uh, very, good for me. You that's very kind of you. Who's the other guy? Mandy Smith. It's a woman. <laughs> oh yeah, Mandy. That's uh, awesome. It's you too. Um, but anyway, so we've been ending uh, this season with letting people do plugs. Like they get to talk about something real or something not real, whatever they want to plug. And the thing that you should plug is your uh, daughter and son-in-law's church. I want to hear about it real quick. What, uh, what are they? They just started. What is it called? It's just a Vineyard Covington. Vineyard Covington. You should go there if you're listening. Well, they don't have a place to go to. Oh, okay, yeah. So what? Uh, what are they? What have they been doing? How do they? How do you start a church in this? So they have three house groups that meet. They probably have about I don't know fifty or sixty people in house groups now. Man, that's awesome. So there were two of them that already existed and that's how they kind of landed in Covington and met those people and they fell in love with each other. So that was a cool thing that kind of caused an automatic leadership team. So they got mm -hmm. six people in their leadership team and it's the people who lead the house group. So they started a house group themselves and uh, they're filling that up. They just don't have a place to meet yet. And in some ways, in some ways, I told him just the other night, I think COVID's been good for you guys because they called me one night and said, hey, we want to do a one-day retreat. We're going to hide out somewhere. Could you help us do some strategic planning? 
I said, how about I just give you the focus game and let and you just go for it and I'll come and hold the new baby and, uh, and watch you guys. So they did that. And what I noticed that the things that they were really focused on that were kind of driving here are our primary things that are going to drive us. Mm. Prayer, which is not my natural inclination. You think it would be because you're a pastor, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Prayer is like, I don't know what it is with me. It's a hard discipline for me to do. And I'm more activistic. Uh, let's just do, let's just get going. Let's do something, right? right. So uh, they can't, they can't do the normal things that you'd be doing, trying to figure out your Sunday morning thing and blah, blah, blah. And they have really leaned into prayer. They do a lot of prayer walks. They have prayer dudes that meet. They do a, their, their hour of power prayer time. That's hilarious. Wow. They're, they are really uh, invoking God in a way that I think is really helpful for a new church life. I wonder if they'll find that the house church model is going to really work out awesome because we have to now and it may keep going. Like we were part of some I don't know, national pastors called like hundreds of people on in the beginning of this and they were talking about ideas and one of them was, man, maybe house church model becomes a new uh sustainable model um through all this which is interesting too yeah i think the, they'll continue to do that they uh but what they miss is that central gathering time yeah, yeah. americans that's just the culture right, so right. you're gonna check out a church it's kind of uncomfortable to go to somebody's house yeah it feels a little